The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It is seven minutes after 11 o'clock. It's a Wednesday. It's the Wednesday edition of The Talking Point. So we talk all things medical and medicine. And today, um, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. We finally were able to make it happen. I'm speaking to Dr. Alan Peter, who's a specialist physician and pulmonologist at Baragwanath Hospital. Alan, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Alan. Um, thanks sorry, for Can occasion. I call you Alan? Uh, I know you, doctors you, are. that song, you can call me Al. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pulmonologist. What do they do? So we deal with lungs, um, everything lungs. And as I say, you know, if you can't breathe, nothing else matters. Right. Uh, but every organ in the body is, it's like a musical orchestra. Every organ in the body has got its part to play uh, and it works in fantastic harmony. Yeah. But basically, uh, but we're not just strictly pulmonology at Barra. We've got a very large general medicine component. And as pulmonologists, we see general patients all the time. Mm. And then afterwards, we have a different round where we see our particular pulmonology patients Mm-hmm. Um, regularly as well. So Barra trains their doctors in a fabulous way. We're not just single organ doctors. Mm. And um, you, you're part of that training program? We're part of that team, yeah. Um, lung health is a medical issue, but in South Africa it's also a political issue uh, in, 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 in many ways. And we're going to speak about that at some point on the show in, in the next couple of days, um, specifically pertaining to mine workers, as you can imagine, having had a great deal of impact over there. But there. I want us to start off by speaking about general lung health. What is a good, healthy lung? What does it look like? And what is a bad lung? Okay, so we can look at various illnesses that can attack the lungs. And because we're going to be heading into the winter season, um, let's start with something like influenza. Yeah. Um, the, sadly, the uptake of the influenza vaccine in South Africa um, is only about 5%. And it's a lot higher in other European countries. And the influenza that usually attacks us is usually type A and B. And this presents with a sudden onset of fever and feeling very tired, um, a non-productive cough, have muscle pains, a sore throat. um, And children often get nausea and vomiting associated. They have a blocked nose. And then you recover in the next 10 to 14 days. But influenza can actually affect other organs in the body. Um, and it's particularly, you can cause, you can get a pneumonia from the influenza as well. Mm, it can lead mm. to pneumonia. It can affect the heart. And we remember that in the uh, turn of the century, in uh, the 1920s, they had the flu, which killed up to 50 to 70 million people. Yeah. And that's a lot of deaths. Influenza can also then affect the heart. The, uh, 12% of uh, patients with flu can have a cardiac event, and that can range from a heart Wait, attack. Wait, what? Twelve percent. So one in ten people with flu can experience a heart a attack. A cardiac, a cardiac event. Yeah, um, you get heart attacks, heart failure, myositis. Uh, a lot of patients. We and this see is from the regular seasonal. Just flu. regular flu. Um, you can wind up with a cardiomyopathy. What's uh, that? Cardiomyopathy is a failure of the heart muscle. Okay. Uh, and we, we sometimes see that uh, as well. <clears throat> and you often find time. You know, you have these fantastic athletes who sometimes suddenly drop dead. Uh, sudden death. We mm. don't know if they had a preceding viral infection, not feeling well. Um, so, and then you can it can affect the brain. And sometimes with viral infections, you can get this ascending paralysis, which we call Guillain-Barré syndrome, as well. Um, so, influenza causes uh, ten thousand deaths a year in South Africa, 
uh, and 40,000 um, hospitaliz- hospitalizations. So <clears throat> one way to uh, lung health in this coming winter season is to get the flu vaccine. Um, and that changes from year to year. Uh, it's usually pre- precedes us in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they modify the vaccine depending on what the current strains are. Uh, and then we get the flu vaccine. So it is very important uh, to take the flu vaccine. Um, and particularly people who suffer from asthma, people who've got emphysema or lungs that have been damaged by TB, uh, these people and the elderly, uh, they should protect uh, against flu by taking the flu vaccine. Mm. Um, so there is the question about egg allergy, but it's recently there's so little egg protein when they make the flu vaccine. Some people say, no, you can't take the flu vaccine. Everyone over the age of six months can qualify for the flu vaccine. Uh, and the egg egg allergy in a, in a report of 747 million uh, doses of the flu vaccine, there were only four deaths. More people choke on their breakfast and die uh, <laughs> than taking the flu vaccine. So all patients, reg- regardless of whether they've got an egg aller- allergy or not, should um, uh, take the flu vaccine. And pregnant women are, and extremes of age as well are particularly prone to bad influenza. Um, so what we have to do is education about young people uh, and people at risk taking the flu vaccine mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. As health professionals, we must take the flu vaccine. Otherwise, who heals those? Really? So all, all health professionals We're take encouraged the flu? We're encouraged, yeah. We t- I think in the United States, it's obligatory. But, so uh, I, 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 I'm a double-jabbed COVID vaccine person. Do I need to take the flu vaccine? Yes, because there are two different illnesses. So, right. And, you know, before COVID, come, uh, before COVID arrived, you know, COVID was a... a uh, a coronavirus. We regarded those as minor viruses. Influenza was kind of much more important. Then you get this mutated coronavirus, and we have this monster on our hands. <coughs> and talking about that, it, it's good to get your next booster. Yeah, so, I got the SMS about three, four days ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had no. I, I thought of the flu as generally innocuous as a thing you get, and five days later you back up and you keep going, and it happens to you once or twice a year, uh, and 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 that's about it. But I, the potential of hospitalization, serious illness, or even death is not something that ever crossed my mind. No, that, that's definitely the case. I think in Lapopo, one of the in the winter season, influenza is is quite a serious killer. Mm, mm. Um, but again, you know, people will get the flu and they say uh, maybe it was an upper respiratory tract infection. Maybe they thought they had the flu, uh, but when you really get the flu, you're down. Mm. Um, and we see that uh, in the hospitals as well. Mm. Uh, How prevalent is pneumonia resulting from the flu? So uh, there is a risk of pneumonia from uh, from the flu, and that's when we sometimes say that the infection has now gone into the chest. Uh, and um, so th- they're not exact uh, stats, um, but uh, usually the about two 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 point five percent of patients with flu might get a pneumonia. Uh, and that'll depend on whether they've been smokers uh, or not. Um, but so and are the, smokers more prone? They're more to prone pneum- to pneumonia. pneumonia per se. They're more prone mm. to TB as well. Uh, smoking is another topic uh, on its own. There's so much to talk about lung health. Uh, the analogy came to me that um, some people say, I mean, I believe everything in moderation. But smoking is like setting your hair on fire. There's nothing moderate about setting your <laughs> hair on fire. Just don't go there. 
Yeah. Um, and maybe later we'll talk about vaping and e-cigarettes. Right, right. Um, but yeah, pneumonia is a risk uh, from flu. And usually the way you're going to pick that up is if you're just not getting better from the flu and you start with a productive cough and you're coughing up yellow phlegm, uh, you start increasing chest pains, um, and then when, that's when you need a chest X-ray, and you may suspect you'll hear crackles in the lungs mm. uh, that the patient has now developed pneumonia. Was well. that a phlegmy cough as well? Yeah, wait, usually flu is a non-productive cough. It's a dry cough. Mm-hmm. Give us a call if you have a question or a comment uh, for Dr. Peter. Give us a call 86 Alan, what are some other things we do to our lungs that's not healthy other than smoking? We'll get to smoking as a standalone, right? But, uh, you know, for instance, when you're a kid and you grow up and go out, your mom tells you to put on a jersey um, so you don't fall sick and these sort of things. These are just general hygiene things, right? Uh, yeah. But w- in what ways do we damage our lungs that we may not be aware of? Um, it's mainly it's if it's smoking and HIV, uh, and coming coming with that journey is TB as well. So those are the big things. Uh, yeah. Obesity also is a problem. Uh, so maybe that's something we've got more direct control about. Air pollution is something that perhaps we don't have control about. How big about. is that in South Africa, air pollution? Um, it's becoming uh, of concern. Uh, I don't have the stats with me, but a lot of the mining towns. I grew up and, in a mining town, yeah. yeah. Um, but obesity, we so the lung diseases associated with obesity that we find is that obesity uh, exacerbates asthma, and 60% of all severe asthmatics uh, are obese as well. And there, there are lots of factors that cause this, this association with obesity and asthma. You know, they talk about inflammatory molecules from fat tissue, um, airway mechanics are changed when you are a very obese person. Um, so staying slim and trim is a good way to make, uh, to stay away from obesity will not make your asthma, well, you've got a better chance of better control of your asthma. Obesity, obese patients also have obstructive sleep apnea. And when they're really obese, we have a syndrome called obesity hyperventilation syndrome, is where people just chronically don't breathe as much as they should. And they have low oxygen saturations and eventually go into right-sided heart failure um, because they develop pulmonary hypertension and blood can't get through from the right heart into the left across the lungs. Uh, so, and that's classically what we describe as the Pickwickian syndrome. These are the people, and people who are not sleeping well because of obesity. These are the people that nod off in a conversation. <coughs> they nod off in their, if they're a passenger in a car. Um, these are the snores that wake up uh, or seem to wake up gasping for air, mm. make a lot of noise at night. Uh, and uh, so obesity in that aspect is uh, uh, can protect you. If you're not obese, you're protected in terms of lung health as well. And also obese patients are also prone to venous thromboembolism, What's uh, that? clots in the legs, uh, ah, clots okay. in the lungs. Um, they don't move as much. And so that's another way in which you can have better lung health mm. is if you stay uh, slim and trim. What's obstructive sleep apnea? So obstructive sleep apnea is when you go to sleep, you have a lot of fat tissue uh, in the neck. And your muscles relax, and because you've got decreased airway mechanics, uh, it narrows the airway. And so breathing in causes negative pressure, and then the actual muscle and the airway collapses, and you get obstruction of your airway and air going into the lungs. And that then causes the snoring. And with obstructive sleep apnea, you're not getting air in, so you become more hypoxic, you drop 
the levels of oxygen in your blood. And these often are the people who sometimes probably die in their sleep. Uh, they suddenly get hypoxic episodes in the lungs. How uh, common is that? It, it's common when you, when you, when you do you desaturate when you have obstructive sleep apnea. And then if you've got underlying heart conditions, you've got narrowing of your coronary arteries, and suddenly your blood flowing through those arteries don't carry the amount of oxygen they're supposed to, mm, you can mm. have a heart attack. You say these people die in their sleep. Who knows? Mm. Um, so uh, obstructive sleep apnea is a concern uh, as well. Yeah. So the other thing that we could also perhaps talk about is asthma as well is getting on getting control of your asthma and staying in control of your asthma again as i said 60% asthma i understand is hereditary it's hereditary but there's also adult onset asthma which doesn't have a clear hereditary uh, picture to it so we talk about childhood asthma or early onset asthma and that's often associated uh, with allergies now you're born with the genes that you're born with there's not much you can control there is a theory that a lot of people who stay in sterile environments uh, have a high incidence of asthma because they don't have they don't get exposed to allergens and the body doesn't make antibodies to that and so there's a theory that um, uh, they live in a sterile environment the incidence of asthma are, are higher but one of the things we find is uh, in terms of gaining asthma control is the proper use of your inhalers you know there's, there's a the, uh, episode in house where the lady takes out her asthma pump and demonstrates and she sprays it under her arms so and people <laughs> don't use their pumps properly we won't go yeah. as far as that but people often forget to shake the inhalers um, your inhaler when you depress the inhaler the stuff comes out at um, 100 kilometers an hour and you breathe in at 45 so you've really got to get your timing right otherwise you have a crash of drug at the back of your throat uh, ah. and very little in fact very little will actually get into your lungs and then people often if they've got rheumatoid arthritis or s struggle with holding the inhaler to actuate the inhaler and to breathe at the same time thankfully there are products in the market which we call turbo inhalers or or powder dry powder inhalers where you don't have to do those gymnastics to get your asthma medication in um, and uh, you can twist this this turbo inhaler and then it activates a dose and then you breathe it in at leisure but getting control of asthma is remembering that asthma has got two phases in inflammation uh, we talk about controllers and relievers yeah and controllers are the steroids which control inflammation so I like to use the South African analogy, we're living with a thatched roof, you might be in a rural village, and there are two ways in which you can stop fire hitting your kaya. You can either cut all the dead grass away from it, or you can have lots of water to put the fire out once your roof catches fire. So a controller is getting all the dead grass away from your house, and a reliever is your blue pump, which actually puts the fire out. Now, most people will say, look, I'd rather not have the fire on my roof in the At first all, place. Yeah. So we advocate keep taking your in, your steroid inhaler. Um, and now the new guidelines suggest a combination uh, steroid and a reliever as well. And if you do suffer regular bouts of asthma, no matter how well you feel, you must take your asthma uh, inhaler regularly. Our famous surgeon, Chris Barnard, died uh, after swimming. And he suffered from asthma, and one of his greatest fears was to die of an asthma attack. And tragically, that's exactly what happened. He Jeez. went for a swim. It might have been cold. It might have been exercise, because both of those two can trigger, trigger an asthma attack. Yeah. 
So to stay on your top of your asthma, if you're prone to getting asthma attacks with exercise, before you start exercising, use your pumps. Uh, if you know that uh, petrol fumes or perfumes or grass, when they're cutting the grass, uh, and you can see that happening, use your asthma pumps. Yeah. Um, Give us a call, 086-000-2032. If you have any questions uh, for Dr. Alan Peter, you can also send us a WhatsApp voice note on 0614-104-107. Let's take a quick break. We continue on the other side of this. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Give us a call, 086-000-2032. I have a text here, uh, Al. Uh, is, is there a cure for snoring? Just lose weight. Yeah, you got to lose Do weight. Do slim people snore? You saw my producer, Lebu. He's, 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 he's quite uh, lean. There's a very few slim people snore, but the majority are overweight. Lebu, do you snore? <laughs> Uh, Lebu doesn't snow, it seems. Okay. <laughs> uh, just very quickly, uh, you spoke about lung health and TB, lung health and, 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 and asthma. Talk to me about lung health and HIV. Okay, so the incidence of HIV in our population is uh, currently at 13.7%. We're sitting with 8.2 million people who are incident, HIV. Incident rate, Inc- meaning new uh, cases. No, incidence. So the, we, the prevalence is oh, prevalence. 30, yeah, so is 13 13.7% of the population. Um, and in the slightly younger population, those under the age of 49, that uh, prevalence is sitting at about 19%, 20% with the younger age group, wow. obviously more sexually active. Um, so HIV and the lung, uh, the most disastrous comp- consequences we find are opportunistic infections, and there's a hand-in-glove relationship between HIV and TB. TB is another massive uh, epidemic in our country, and patients who are HIV positive are prone to acute infections. There's a, fu- a fungal infection which we call PJP, uh, which is a pneumonia which has a, quite a high mortality rate. Um, and what happens, the interplay between TB and HIV is that the uh, HIV virus sits in your white cells. Uh, we call these uh, CD4 cell T lymphocytes. Um, and when the T lymphocytes encounter TB, they start to reproduce to try and fight the TB. And as they really? reproduce, they put out more HIV viruses. The more HIV virus you put out, the lower your CD4 count drops, the lower your T cell count. So it's wiping out your police force while the crooks are multiplying in the form of TB. Yeah. So people at currently 60% of patients who have TB are also HIV positive. So HIV fans the flames of tuberculosis uh, and tuberculosis in the HIV patient fans the infection itself. Mm. So we have a massive problem on our hands. The current incidence of TB in our population at the moment there were, is 735 per 100,000, and that sits at about 426,000 people with active TB. And the World Health Organization documented 360,000 cases of new tuberculosis uh, mm. last year. Mm. So we have a TB epidemic on our hands. TB then wipes out lungs. We see this quite often. And why some people have their lungs completely destroyed are what we call host factors, because not everyone who has TB will have destroyed lungs. Um, and we see this commonly at the hospital. And these are the people um, who wind up getting Sasa grants as well uh, mm. because they're no longer able to work. And we see this at a very young age. 
Um, often they will also get a fungal infection in the lung and that can present with massive bleeding and they generally require an operation. So TB has long-term consequences on the lung <coughs> if you're not healed completely. And the so diff- what happens in that instance? You take the TB treatment and ARVs at the same time? Yes. So we usually there's usually a two-month lag because the complications of if you start the two drugs together, um, if you've got liver problems, you don't know which set of drugs is causing the problem. If you've got a patient who's an extremist, we usually wait for two weeks before we start the other set of drugs. But generally, you would start your TB first and your ARVs later. Yeah. Um, and, and then just quickly, HIV, I know, is not automatically terminal. Can, is TB terminal on its own? Untreated. Uh, Look, the majority, if you're healthy, a lot of people, some, uh, and it depends, here's the other selling point, get vaccinated. So the BCG vaccine is given uh, to every child after birth, um, right. at, shortly after birth, and that can stop TB infection in 80% of the population as well. Um, but uh, TB untreated, depending which organ, can cause serious damage. We know that TB, if you get TB meningitis untreated, it's univer- uh, uniformly fatal. In 100% of cases. Taking all your calls in a very short while, so do keep them coming in. Uh, Slee in Durban, I see you. I'm going to be taking your calls right now. Uh, Frank sent in a text. I'll be reading out your question in a very, very short while as well. It is half past 11. Norman Lizo Mandela has your news headlines. Sorry about that. Taking your calls and questions. 086-000-2032. Let's go to Durban. Slindile, good morning. Hi. I have a question for the dear doctor there. Mm. Um, what is the relationship? Oh, Slee, your line is your line is not very stable. Can I ask you to just repeat that? Okay. What is the relationship between bronchitis and asthma? That's one. It's pertaining to my young daughter who's nine who has who has had very very bad bronchitis. And then number two, my dad died of um, COVID pneumonia, and he was very healthy. And all her, all his um, COVID tests came back negative until the end. So, do, does he maybe know what was the reason there? Thank you. Yeah, Al, do you want to okay. give it a shot? Yeah. So, bronchitis and asthma. The bronchitis is an inflammation of the large airways in the lung, and the cause of that is ne- nearly always viral. And one of the most common causes of an asthma exacerbation in fact, is a viral infection. So bronchitis, if you have bronchitis and you're an underlying asthmatic, you can then wind up with an asthma uh, attack. Um, If you have recurrent infections, um, bronchitis and and airway infections as a child, that may later lead to uh, damaged airways, but um, a viral infection per se doesn't uh, cause asthma. Mm. Um, There's... Reasons why we develop asthma as children in, is, is a, a complex uh, syndrome involving your genes, uh, external factors, but there's no clear virus. That's, if you get this virus, you're going to get asthma. Mm. Um, it's a bit difficult to answer the COVID um, uh, story because I don't know if there were other comorbid illnesses. She said the father was very healthy. Yes, Lee, uh, do, you, do you know if there were? Oh, I don't think we have Slee anymore. She may be listening on the uh, radio. Okay, yeah. so... Diabetic, but it was controlled. Oh, oh, there you are. Just repeat that, Slee. He was diabetic, but it was very controlled. Okay. Okay, so diabetes, um, 
it was control. We don't know for how long he had good control, but we know that uh, COVID in the diabetic patient uh, leads to more severe illness. They talk about a lazy leukocyte syndrome. Diabetics, because of the high sugar, their white cells don't function optimally. Yeah. Diabetics are prone to infections, foot infections. Um, they're prone to an increased risk of pneumonia. Uh, so uh, it's very difficult to make a call on that. But we certainly know that uh, diabetics were prone to more severe uh, course of COVID. And also COVID, we realized, actually caused diabetes um, mm. in, in a certain percentage of the population. Yeah. Slee, is that helpful? Wow, somewhat. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate okay. it. I've got a question here from Frank who says, um, can he take five milligrams of uh, prednisone and naproxen, not on a regular basis, for inflammation? It depends what inflammation you're talking about, and five milligrams is a very small dose. Usually, if we're talking about asthma, we use a larger dose. We go up to six tablets or 30 milligrams for about five days or five to seven days, and then we stop them abruptly. Um, there is a, a risk if you're taking this chronically all the time. If you take naproxen or naproxen and a steroid, uh, you could irritate your gut and make yourself prone to ulcers and bleeding. Mm -hmm. I've got a question here. It reads, my dad died as a result of a weakened uh, failing heart muscle. We were told his treatment for asthma was one uh, that weakened his heart muscle. Is it true that the side effects of asthma treatment is a weakened heart? Well, if you have chronic steroid use, um, you can have an increase in blood pressure. Um, and we know that steroids, uh, a large dose of steroids can actually weaken your muscles. Uh, so there may well be a link uh, but not to my knowledge that uh, steroids per se causes a cardiomyopathy. Yeah. Um, but uh, certainly high blood pressure and diabetes, uh, which is a side effect of chronic steroid use as well, high sugars, and that might have exacerbated underlying atherosclerosis. Um, but generally it's not a diagnosis that comes straight from the top that your asthma treatment has wiped out your heart. Morning, Oliver. This is Anneli in Devon. I used to create my own... <laughs> oxygen mobilizer they call it mobilizer if i've got a flu maybe if i experience the short breathing uh, if i've got a, a flu i used to steam uh, using maybe a vix or any uh, men mental liquid but i like to know what, how dangerous is it for the lungs that because I've been doing that for so long, and I end up not going to the to the clinic or to the doctor. Uh, by steaming, it's only subside. Okay, that's a good question. I steam with eucalyptus quite a bit as well. Okay, so it depends. Again, we're dealing with host factors. One of the um, side effects that you may find with steaming with aromatic oils is what we call the lipoid pneumonia, and. This speaks to what they're doing as well with uh, e-cigarettes. Um, so, yeah, the traditional thing was to rub Vicks on your chest or to steam with Vicks uh, vapor rub. We don't suggest that. Probably the beneficial facts of steaming was having increased uh, humidification in your nose and may dry mucous membranes getting a bit more wet and loosening secretions by getting increased water vapor into the lungs um, and not getting dry airways that might have helped in your chest infection or help you to <coughs> clear out muck or mucus that you had. Um, but uh, we don't suggest adding stuff to 
to the to the steam uh, the, the, to the liquid that you're going to steam with. Um, just to maybe to come back to the asthma story, people sometimes buy nebulizer to abort an asthma mm. attack. Uh, we can find that can lead to problems because we're not addressing the inflammation part underneath the asthma, and people might feel relieved, but then the asthma could suddenly get worse a little later. So the main important thing is to is to keep going with the steroids. Hi, this is Daniel Joshua Chalden. I have a question to ask the doctor. You know, I've got a problem where at times I feel something is blocking my throat. And with the result, I have a problem to breathe in my left nostril. And the left side of my throat as well gets blocked. It seems to be a swell on the left-hand side of my neck where my throat is. And it blocks and I have difficulty in breathing. Have you any idea what can be causing that and what do I have to do? Thank you and God bless you. So thank you for that question. Um, if you've got a blocked nose, um, one needs to, to look to see if you've got a polyp or if you suffer from allergic rhinitis. Uh, you need a throat examination as well. I don't know if you've got large tonsils, um, but your best bet is to consult your general practitioner and to have your ear, nose and throat uh, looked at. Mm, and ENT would be yeah. useful in that instance? Sure. Morning. Silo from East London. <clears throat> On a lighter note, can we f- have we come to a consensus regarding man flu and how serious <laughs> it actually is? Uh, thanks. Silo, thank you so much for that question. Very, yo, thank you. Yo, Silo, I love you for that question. The answer for man flu is stay single. <laughs> <laughs> I love the answer as well. <laughs> is it a thing? Man flu, uh, no. So flu doesn't impact men differently from women. Oh no, it's the same. It hits. I mean, men don't like to. You see, this is another topic. Men, men need a liberation movement <laughs> <laughs> because we're conditioned in our society to perform, protect, and provide. Yeah. And so, if you admit weakness or you're having a down day or you're feeling vulnerable, you're not performing, you're not protecting, you're not providing, you can't take your selfie with your muscles in the gym. Uh, and as a result of that, men complain less about their illnesses uh, and they worry less because it's it's very bad against this muscular image that we men like to portray. Yeah. But flu takes me down entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Oliver and the doctor there. This is Andrew in Renosta Spread. Uh, please ask the doctor for me there. I've got a five-year-old son. Uh, he's got flu all the time, all year through. So he coughs and it gets better for like one week. That's mm. it. But all the time he's got flu and stuff. I don't know. I've tried to give him anything. They say it's allergy, but I don't know what allergy he's got because uh, we stay in a nature reserve here. So it's a big problem for me. I've tried everything. It doesn't work. Nothing mm. works mm. at all. Nothing. So Good question. Please, can the doctor help me there? Thanks. Thank you so much. I, it's very difficult to make a diagnosis uh, sitting here in the studio, but if you've got a child who's got recurrent infections all the time, they may be lacking in one of their antibody classes. Uh, so maybe a blood test to see if all his um, antibodies or immunoglobulins are, are in the normal range. Uh, so I would suggest that uh, he has that blood test uh, and then maybe to have a look and have an allergy test uh, do a blood test to find out if he's susceptible, do an IgE level 
to understand if this is kind of asthma that's that's going on all the time and also to have an ENT examination for allergic rhinitis. Mm-hmm. Give us a call, 86 Let's take one quick one and take a break. Hi, Oliver. Uh, my mom was uh, involved in a car accident and then uh, she was rushed to hospital and then the operation was done because they said some of the major organs were damaged and then after the operation and then uh, she remained in ICU for I think for almost a week and then she eventually died and then on the death certificate they wrote that uh, she died of pneumonia and that didn't sit well with me so I suspected uh, foul play Um, what can the doctor say about that Mm, this mm. is anonymous I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to this on the other side of that let's just take a quick break Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. I'll have a few more questions, but before we do, let's talk about smoking. Vaping is a big thing now, especially amongst young people, and you caution very strongly against that. What is the true impact of smoking, uh, tobacco and non-tobacco products alike? Uh, My grandmother, 80 years old, smoked all her life. She's fine. Yes, we do have that. Again, we mentioned host factors, so not everyone gets asthma people who smoke not everyone who's only about 20 to 25 percent people who smoke regularly will develop uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease in the layman's terms maybe we've known that as emphysema so not everyone who smokes but the risk of smoking is so wide it doesn't necessarily have to affect the lungs it can affect your affect your cardiovascular system it can affect um, your risk of cancers in every organ of the body so um, the issue of vaping and the medical journals generally, the greatest fear is you are encouraging nicotine addiction amongst young people. So what they have done is they've promoted cigarettes, um, promoted um, vaping uh, using these pod mods, and they have introduced uh, e-juice or vape juice with over 7,000 flavors available. Jeez, I didn't know there were that yeah. many. So normally, uh, currently, about 3% of adults are using, 3% of adults who are smokers, who are using um, vaping devices to get away from the toxic chemicals in cigarette smoke uh, so that they, because they're nicotine addicts and you can get various strengths of nicotine in your vape juice. And they're using that to quit smoking. Now, we know that vaping is much less harmful than smoking a cigarette. But targeting the young people to look snazzy and mm. a la Peter Stuyvesant, young, beautiful yeah. people who now kind of, uh, and it's money-making racket. So what they've found, a study of 7,400 students f- of non-smokers, they started vaping, and 31% of these students actually went on to smoking <clears throat> cigarettes versus only 8% of students who then started smoking of their own. So there was more than almost a four times increase of cigarette uptake amongst the youth. What you are then doing with e-cigarettes amongst the youth is creating a nicotine addiction where you didn't have one in the first place, and they're spending money. I mean, your initial output for uh, four pods of e-juice and uh, a Juul, which seems to be the most popular, uh, ranges between 250 and 600 rand. They're spending money which they don't need to spend, 
uh, and uh, in today's economic environment is not a, a wise thing. Mm. And they're smuggling these at school because these little jewel pods are about the size of a flash drive. And so they're smoking this secretly um, at school. So the big concern then is um, creating nicotine addiction. We still don't know. The jury's still out on all these flavorants. You know, it's not a good thing to inhale these uh, different chemicals and flavorants into the lung. Uh, we don't know what the long-term effects are at the right. moment. But there are incidences <coughs> of the battery or the device or the which they use to ignite the e-juice mm. those blowing up causing burns and stuff like that so generally um, our vaping should only be done about for those who are nicotine addicts or smokers who are trying to come off and struggle to come off uh, cigarettes by using a nicotine substitute. So if you're, if you're a cigarette smoker, the way to quit would be to migrate downwards to vaping and then hopefully leave that altogether. Either that, you're used to use Champix, um, which is varinicline, or to go cold turkey and just stop. But if you can't do that, your lowest rung at the bottom of the battle barrel is maybe to use vaping if you need something, an oral device all yeah. the time because you're used to putting something between your lips. Uh, you can use nicorettes, nicotine patches, yeah. uh, and but that's a process. and it's a, a, Also expensive. It, it is, but it's uh, less deleterious to your health. Uh, than staying on cigarettes. Quit smoking saves health, saves lives? Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to have to leave it there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Alan Peter. Really, really appreciate it. We've got about like 10 more voice notes here that we haven't been able to get through. And my apologies to everyone uh, who, who sent in these voice notes. But um, that's all we unfortunately have time for. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a fantastic show. I really enjoyed today's show. Back with you tomorrow, 9 a.m., sharp and early. It's time for your book reading. Sitting pretty, Christy van der Westezen.